instead of a little further. You love the Lord today? I want us to go to prayer. I tell you, the Lord has stirred my soul. And I want to relate some things to you here in just a few minutes, the way God's moving, what He's doing. But first, I want us to ask the Lord. We've got to have those eyes to see and those ears to hear. You know, if you don't have ears to hear, you're not going to hear what the Spirit speaks. I remember the Lord spoke in our church in Fort Payne several years back. And He said, I'm going to be speaking through one of my servants, so they're going to be speaking perfect English. He said, but there's people in the congregation who will not be able to understand what they're saying. And somebody said, Brother you that ain't going to work. That won't happen. So my son's an industrial engineer. He was there in the service. I said, Christopher, say something that only another industrial engineer would say. He spit out some great big old long sentence. Said, I didn't have no idea what he's talking about. And the people just look at us and see what I'm saying. You don't know that language. You don't understand that lingo. You ain't been trained in that. And the Lord said, I'm going to speak. He said, but people are not going to have ears to hear. You've got to have the mind of the Spirit. And the only way to become sensitive to the Spirit is through relationship with God. When you get that relationship with God and you get in that intimacy with Him one-on-one, He can teach you the things of the Spirit. And He will give you ears to hear. He will give you eyes to see and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking. Amen. Let's go to prayer and let's ask God to bring us into that place in the Spirit. You know, the Lord's told us for years there's two things you got to do. you got to be positioned and you got to be conditioned. Doing one or the other ain't going to work. You can be conditioned and not be in the right position. You just think of them disciples, uh, that 120 on the day of Pentecost, if they had spent all those days after Jesus' resurrection listening to Him, and there was 40 days that He appeared to them off and on, conditioned them for things pertaining to the kingdom of God. But if they hadn't heard His voice and been positioned in that upper room, they'd have missed. They'd have missed the visitation. And if they had been positioned but not conditioned, they wouldn't have received what God done. You've got to be positioned and you've got to be conditioned, both, for God to do what He wants to do in you. So let's pray that God will not only position us, I believe we're positioned, but I want God to condition us to hear His voice and be led by His Spirit. Amen. Give me just a little bit of volume, sir. Father, by Your name, Jesus, we come before You. We ask You to move in this service today. Lord, if there's one thing we need, it's eyes to see, ears to hear. We've got to have that heart, that spirit man's got to be in that place to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. Do this for us today, Lord. Let this unity of the Spirit that I feel you working in here, let it bring things together. <coughs> we'll give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. I appreciate the Lord today. And I'm going to see if I can't get into the, some more of the prophecy, but uh, I want to relate a couple of things to you and how God's moving and what He's doing. And uh, a young lady got saved 
in my meeting back in Alabama in 94. She was 15 years old, uh, and God changed her life. Changed her sister, changed her mama. And matter of fact, her mother went through so much. Uh, there, I think it's like 96, somewhere in there. I, I can't, Lisa might remember the year, but she invited me and my wife and kids to come stay in her home. And she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And she said, Brother Matter, I just want you and your wife sleep in my bed. That's what she wanted. And we went in there and slept in that bed. And we left. She slept in it, Brother Donald. God delivered her from a nervous breakdown. The Spirit of the Lord that God left in that bedroom. And she testified God delivered her from a nervous breakdown. I sent her a prayer cloth. And God delivered her from a nervous breakdown. And her oldest daughter that had gotten saved, right after she got saved, she went into the army. And so it was just her and her younger daughter there. But anyway, uh, the youngest daughter, she's been around the ministry off and on for years, and she don't. She probably lives about 30 miles, maybe, from Fort Payne Church. I don't know how far it is, but anyway, she texted me yesterday morning, and she said, Brother Metter, I had a dream about you. And uh, I think I can remember all of it. I got it on my phone, but she said, I had a dream about you. She said that you had gone to Colorado which I interpret to be the center of the nation or new territory. And she said, you had sent out a text telling people you were there and said people were coming to the meeting. She said, and you were in a service. She said, but I've never felt the power of God coming out of anybody and in any realm in my life like God was moving out of you and there was such a presence of the Lord. And she said, I've never heard the urgency and the cry coming out of your voice telling people they need to make that commitment to God to go into that call of God. And she said the power of God was so strong, she said people were falling on their knees and screaming and crying out to God for God to have mercy on them. And she said you ministered to a young man in his 20s, which I take to mean this younger generation that God is now reaching out to. Let me tell you something. Me and you ain't going to carry this revival with Don. We may do something, but I, I feel like God's got me in a place now. I'm fixing to be in leadership and training these young men and these young vessels of God. And if they're going to run with this Word, they're going to take this Word to the ends of the earth. But she said, as you ministered to that young man, said his whole demeanor completely changed. She said, the whole congregation watched as you prayed for this young man. said, his whole demeanor. She said, I can't even tell you. She said, but I felt the power of God I ain't never felt before. She says, you prayed for that young man. His whole countenance changed. His demeanor changed. And she said, the only thing I can describe is uh, he was dark. And I don't mean skin color, but there was a darkness on him. So he was dressed in black or dark clothing. And said, as you prayed for him, he had his head down. He just kept looking down. But as you prayed for him, he lifted his hands up, lifted his face up, and said his face began to glow. And said, all that darkness come off of him. God's got to break this force off this generation. God's got to break this force. And she said, I don't know if you can relate to what I'm saying. And I texted her back. I said, yeah, I can relate. I said, it's this gospel of the kingdom with this power and authority that I've been talking about since 2010. I've been telling people, this is coming. God's doing this. 
This is the only gospel that's going to deliver this generation. I've, I've been telling people, and I said, what the uh, problem is, I said about 99% of people call themselves Christians fixing to miss this move of God because there's no urgency in them to seek God. There's no urgency in them to fulfill their call and be a part of this. People have to possess this if God's called you to it. You've got to fight for this. I had to fight for my calling all the time. People don't realize that, but I got so Deborah, I gotta believe what God's put in me. I gotta know. And you know, I'll quit worrying about upsetting people. I'm having me some new business cards made and I put apostle on them. Boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna upset some folks. <laughs> but that's what God told me he called me in twenty fifteen. He said, You've been an evangelist. You've been a teacher, you've been a pastor, you've been a prophet. He said, now I'm calling you into apostleship. That's what the Lord told me. And that's what I'm reaching out to possess. You know, it's kind of like Paul. Paul said in Romans first chapter, he said, I, Paul, call to be an apostle. First Corinthians, first chapter, first verse, he said, I, Paul, call to be an apostle. Second Corinthians, first chapter, first verse, he said, I, Paul, an apostle. So he wasn't no longer called. He had arrived. Somewhere I'm going to arrive. But I'm telling you, this word that God is placing in me, there's something coming up. There's something coming out. There's something coming forth. And uh, we got a brother and sister in the Fort Payne church that her cousin, uh, baby, four years old, was in a severe car wreck about two or three weeks ago. And they've had the baby in a seduced coma four years old ever since then. And they kept telling her, said, if the baby lives, it's going to be brain dead. Well, I kept telling my wife every time I'd go to prayer for that baby, I said, there's something there. There's something about that mama. I said, I keep feeling it. I said, God's going to move for that baby. I feel it, but he's first got to move in that mama. There's something in it. And so I, I, I called uh, the, the man. His wife was at work, and he was going to church that morning. And don't y'all ever take these lightly. Because in 92, God gave me I was in a tent meeting in Anderson, South Carolina. I prayed for a young lady with a broke leg. I mean, this bone right here is broken too. And prayed for her three times for her to be able to walk on that leg. And she said she believed. And I believed, but she couldn't do it. She'd come off her crutches. She said it hurts. I said, okay, you believe. You keep reaching for that faith. And as I started in my trailer, which I always had my trailer behind the tent, I reached in my back pocket and I had... Two or three of these prayer cloths in my pocket, and the Lord told me, he said, you go out there and tie two of them together and tie it around that leg. That's the last service of the meeting, last person to pray for. I walked right back out there, called her. she come over there. I took two of these, tied them together, tied it around that broke leg, went on to revival in Arkansas. About two weeks later, got up there, and her aunt tracked me down. Said, you remember that young lady you prayed for? I said, yes. She said, that's my niece. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, that's my niece, 14 years old. And... She said, uh, just about three or four days ago, she said she was in her bedroom about 1.30 in the morning. The Lord spoke to her and said, get up and walk. She heard that voice. She reached for her crutches. The Lord said, you don't need them crutches. You're healed. Get up and walk. Three times the Lord had to tell her. Third time she got up and started walking on that leg. Wasn't no pain in it. Didn't feel no pain. She went in there and woke her mom and daddy up and told them. And... Uh, she said, I'm healed. I know I'm healed. 
She had a cast on from her hip all the way down to her ankle. You know one of them old plaster casts? They don't use it much anymore, but she had that plaster cast on from her hip all the way down to her ankle. She went in there and run back to a full of water, sat down in it, peeled that thing off one, one piece at a time. Got out, walked on it, went to the doctor the next day, the x-rayed it, couldn't even find where the leg had been broken. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm giving you the ministry of those prayer cloths like I gave to Apostle Paul. See, you can't just take these and pray over them and send them to somebody. Now, if God tells you every now and then, you might do that. But this is a ministry. This is an anointing that God's got to put in your life. And I've sent these prayer cloths all over the world. I've seen people healed, seen them delivered, seen them brought off their deathbeds, and, and women that can't have babies. I've sent these prayer cloths to them, and it would be week, ten days they conceive. It's just... And so I told him, I said, I left them in prayer clause with Brother Michael. I said, you get one of them. And his wife called me that night so I could talk to her about the baby because he didn't know very much. And I talked to her and expected the baby to be brain dead. baby hadn't opened his eyes since he put it in that coma. Had no brain activity. Wasn't getting nothing dead. Start reducing the drugs and the baby get agitated and start fighting. So they went down there Tuesday and witnessed to the mama. Said the mama had all kind of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger in her heart. Thought she was all right with God. They started talking to her and prayed with her. Went in there and prayed for that baby. And Tuesday, five days, from Tuesday to right now, just a couple of days later, they started weaning that baby off of drugs. That baby opened its eyes and blinked its eyes and opened its eyes for a few seconds. Next day, it opened its eyes, looked at its mama, and its mama took it by the hand and said, if you, can, if you can hear me, squeeze my finger. That baby squeezed that finger. And doctors been running tests on that brain activity uh, Thursday and Friday, and they said there's too much brain activity for that baby to be a vegetable. So that baby's going to be normal when it comes out of this. And they're... They're taking her uh, today and weaning her off them drugs more and said they're going to uh, take that breathing tube out and see if she can breathe on her own. They do. They're removing that respirator. So just in five days, God's turned this thing around. From a baby that was dead four years old, a vegetable, and God's turned it around, saved a soul, brought a great deliverance. Hallelujah. And it's that, that, it's that kingdom that I've been telling people it's here. Step out in faith. What did God tell us? If you feel it, speak it. Step out and do it. And I kept telling her, I said, I keep feeling it. So I finally acted on it. Well, I got a phone call yesterday morning uh, about a man that's been in some of my meetings. They say he's in the hospital. He's elderly. But they say he's sick. And so I started praying for him. And I called the pastor this morning. And the pastor's seen miracles. I mean, I've been to his church and had miracles. He's seen miracles in my ministry. For, first come on my tent meetings in 93 and seen all kinds. Matter of fact, I prayed for one of his sisters. Had a knot in her breast almost big as a big hen egg. I mean, big. Almost the size of my fist. And I prayed for her. She walked behind the platform. And they put a, a like a coat or a curtain up, held it up where she'd check herself. She'd come back in like two minutes and that thing was gone. And he's seen those kind of miracles that whole meeting. And he's pastoring now. And I've been in his church, and it ain't been that long. I prayed for a baby about a month old, had a hole in its heart. And I told him, they said they want to operate. I said, don't let them operate. Don't let them matter of life and death. And waited about three weeks, God closed the hole up. 
prayed for the grandmother. She had scoliosis of the spine. Her spine bent crooked. Prayed for her. God straightened her spine. So he's seen these kind of miracles. I prayed for his sister, another sister. Uh, in that same meeting, she'd had uh, surgery on her leg, one leg about that much short. I prayed for it, and that leg just jumped right out there. So he knows God's real. And I called him this morning and said, if you got time, call me before you go to church. So what about 10 minutes, he called me, and I said, I've left you some of those prayer cloths there when I've come down and preached. I usually leave a big handful if I preach somewhere. And he said, you have. I said, you take that, you go in there. You pray the prayer of faith for that man. I said, when you go in there, the Spirit of the Lord's going to come on you. I said, command a miracle. I said, command a miracle. I said, I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I feel like God's going to move for this man. This man served God all his life, and now the devil's trying to take his life. I said, you stand, you decree, you declare. I'm going to tell you, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, you won't just pray, you'll decree. God said, decree a thing, and it shall be established. He said in Isaiah 45 and 11, He said, Ask of me things to come concerning my sons, but concerning the works of my hands. He said, Command ye me. That Spirit comes on me. I'll tell God. Because I know what that Spirit will do. I've seen it happen. And I'm telling you, we're moving into that day that the Spirit of the Lord is moving on us. We're going to command the works of God's hands. You said, Brother Matter, you can't do that. You can when that Spirit of faith hits you. You can when God moves in you by that unction of the Holy Ghost. Can you just go out here and raise your hand, command God, no servo. And that unction of the Spirit moves on you and that faith of God rises up in your spirit and you're in that relationship with God and you know that you know that you know that God's hearing your voice. You can speak that word. And it's time for the body of Christ to come together and move into this. It's time for people to stand up in the earth. And for people to know God's with them. I was reading this week, and uh, I just get awestruck at how God moved in the Old Testament. And I got to uh, reading in Numbers. You know, the first chapter of Numbers talks about, and that's what it is, God numbered Israel. He, he numbered all the men that could go to war. Did you realize Israel had almost a 700,000 men army? 700,000! You ain't hardly, there ain't an army on the face of the earth nowhere that I know of that's got 700,000 men in it right now. China come the closest, and they say they're pressing a billion men army. We don't have that kind of, uh, we don't even have a million man army in the United States that I know of. 700,000 people back then. And God fought for them. God fought for them. When the spies went over to uh, spy out Jericho and Rahab hit him on the roof under the flax to the soldiers had gone. And she said, when we heard y'all was coming, <laughs> she said, when we knew y'all was camped on the other side of Jordan, said, fear melted our hearts and said there was no fight left in us because we knew the God that had parted the Red Sea. We knew the God that had slayed all these kings. And y'all had devoured their lands and, and, and God had fought for you and God had destroyed them. Said we knew there wasn't no reason to fight. <laughs> Said our hearts just melted in us and we just shut up the city. And they did. They shut up Jericho. They said the walls of Jericho were so right, wide on the top they could put four chariots side by side pulled by two horses and they could race around the top of the walls. 
That's how so the, so the walls are like 50, 60, 70 feet wide. And the Word of God says when God had Joshua shout and all them men shout and blow them trumpets, said the walls fell down flat. It didn't say they crumpled in a heap. You figure walls that tall, 80, 100 foot tall, 50, 60 foot wide, and they just crumbled down, you'd have a heap, 40 or 50 feet, you'd have to crawl over. That ain't what God said. God said, I let them fall down flat. I was reading an archaeological report here two or three years ago, and they said they found the foundation of the walls of Jericho, the original foundation of the walls, a hundred feet down in the ground. A hundred feet underground. What did God do? He just opened up the ground under it and just, whew, there it went. <laughs> just like them old elevators. You know, they used to have elevator operators, and you get in there and pull that handle and say, going down. <laughs> And God just let the walls go down flat. That's what He said. He said they fell down flat. Amen? Yeah. They fell down flat. All except one part. The Bible said Rahab lived on the wall. It's that one part of that wall where Rahab lived. God left it standing right there and the rest of it. <laughs> and you think about God providing for a 700,000 men army, plus their wives, plus their children, plus all the people. You probably had two and a half, three million people out there. God fed them every day, watered them every day, provided everything for their cattle. And then we worry about God giving us 20, 50, 30, 40, 100 dollars, or God providing this, or God, when God took care of three million people. <laughs> Amen. It just amazes me at God's provision. Amen. But God took them out there. He told them what to do. He provides for them. God told us to come to L.A.J. He ain't got no choice. he got to provide. I'm being obedient to His Word. I'm following the leadership of His Spirit. And I had a man contact me this week. I want to know if I'd come to India and preach. I'm going to tell you, this Word's getting out on Facebook. This Word's getting out on YouTube. And probably this week, the next couple of days, we'll be getting our YouTube services started where I'm going to be teaching and also our live stream to Africa. Be getting them started. I've, I've worked with the sound to get the sound where I want it. And I've had a lady put me in touch with an engineer that works at a major TV station. And he's supposed to get back and give me some pointers on what to do about our sound, about our camera, about our lights, and try to help us. Because I believe in doing things the best. Amen. Amen. Said, well, Brother Metter, worried about the money. Y'all think God's broke? God's got this whole thing in His hand. This is the word the Lord has spoken. I was sitting right back there where my wife was, 2017. God said the gospel is going to be preached over the internet. That's what God told me. He said, going to be preached. I was sitting right here. He said, this gospel is going to be preached over the internet. And said, I'm going to do notable miracles. You're going to pray for people online. I'm going to do notable miracles over the Internet. And he said, then I'm going to send you these countries to establish churches. Somebody better get ready. Somebody better get ready to go. Somebody better get ready to labor. Because Brother Metter ain't going to be here. Y'all hear me? I ain't going to be here all the time. I'm going to be like a Paul. I may be here a year and a half, two, two and a half, three years. But, buddy, when God says go by the leadership of the Holy Ghost, says, you and Sister Lisa go forth. But we'll be going. And somebody better be able to step up and pastor. Somebody be able to step up and teach. 
Because this is a body ministry. Amen. It ain't for me to do this all. I'm here to train you. I'm here to take you Timothys and edify you and exhort you and teach you and instruct you and bring you in to where God can use you. And that's what God won't do. He won't use it. God didn't put you on this word for something to do. God didn't put you on this word because you like the sound of my voice. God put you under this word to edify you, train you, and condition you that you can be a vessel He can use. And ain't none of us can do anything, not a one of us, unless the Spirit of God can flow in us and flow out of us. You don't have nothing in yourself. The Bible said every good, every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. You ain't got one gift. Ain't nothing you got except God give it to you. I ain't got anything in me except God give it to me, but God's put it in here, and I know how to use it by the unction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I know how to use this gift and this, this word. And the word that was spoken, this, this one that we uh, fix and take a look at again, this word right here, I done had, uh, somebody unplugged my light. I done had somebody post it on Facebook, and I think they posted the audio. They went to sermon.net and posted the audio. And then I done had, I ain't never had as many people contact me about prophecy as they did about this. And then a man called me the other night. Two states away, and he called me. said, Brother Metter, he said, I got your email, because I emailed these prophecies out to different ministers. He said, I got your email, and I think that man went and listened to it. He said, I, I don't think I've ever had a word affect me like that word's affected me. Something in that word was different. Something in that word was, if you ain't listened to it, go listen to it. Read it, study it, because I'm going to tell you something. When God speaks a word... I'll take it and listen to it. I'll study it. I, I, I may listen to it a dozen times. And then go back and study it and break it down. And I took this Word and I broke it down. I'll give you all 40-something scriptures that you can study that goes with this Word, what God's doing. I ain't telling you something God's going to do 40 years from now. I'm telling you what God's doing right now. I'm telling you what God's doing right now. Amen. This ain't something that's coming. This something's here. God's been telling us it's here. This is here. This faith, this deliverance, this miracles. I'm expecting to get a report out of that pastor. That man's been raised up. Well, Brother Matter, what if he don't? Well, what if he does? See, I don't dwell in what if he don't. <laughs> I dwell in all things are possible to him that believeth. And for with God, nothing shall be impossible. John, you know, that's what the Word said. For with God, nothing should be impossible believe it's Luke one thirty seven. For with God, with God, with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's what that's what the angel told Mary. Mary said, Well, how's this gonna happen? I ain't never been with a man. How am I gonna conceive? That angel spoke to her and said, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord come on her, conceived in her womb, she brought forth a flesh and blood and bone child. Hallelujah. He grew up just like us, made in the likeness of sinful flesh, fought carnality, fought the nature of sin, just like me and you fight it, but conquered it and overcome it. To teach us we can be overcomers. Amen. That we can be overcomers. Hallelujah. And I confess and believe that He is a man, still a man. He's immortal, immortal, eternal. 
uncorruptible, and the fullness of God now dwells in him. He is God manifest. He is God revealed in the fullness in the flesh now. I believe that. If you don't believe that, then I'll tell you to just pray about it. But I believe it. I believe it because April of last year, was it, 20, was it last year or 2017 in Fort Payne? 2018, wasn't it? The Lord appeared. 17. 17. Okay. Two years ago then. But we were down praying, and the and, uh, Spirit of the Lord come on her. She started speaking the Word of the Lord. And when she started coming out of the Lord said, Tell them to open her eyes, they'll see me. Yeah. Of course, she got afraid, like all of us do. But I was sitting on the platform, and I shifted. And just about time she said that, because she was speaking it out, uh, the Lord said, I'm here. But she didn't speak out. If you open your eyes, you see me. But just as I shifted, I looked, and I saw Jesus standing right beside her for about two seconds. I saw the position he's standing in. I saw right where his feet were. I saw right where he's standing. And it wasn't a vision. It wasn't a spirit. It was the man, Christ Jesus. It was the man. And when we got through with the prayer meet, she started talking about what God had showed her and, and what God told her. And she said, I wish I'd have spoken. I said, I saw him. And I told her to confirm what God had spoke to her, and he confirmed the Lord had appeared to her. I told her right where Jesus was standing, the angle he was standing at, the position he was in, and it was exactly what she'd seen. So he is man. He is that man, Christ Jesus. And the fullness of God dwells in him. But he's man, but he's God. Amen. He's that mediator. He's that intercessor. We pray. God don't understand your prayers a lot of times because you pray out of emotion. God don't understand emotion. God ain't equipped with emotion. So we pray, the emotion, the prayer goes through Jesus. He talks to the Father. The Father answers, comes right back through that mediator, right back to us in a, in a way we can understand it. Because Jesus is just like us. He knows how we feel. He knows how we think. He knows what we deal with. He knows the pressures, the emotions, the discouragement. He knows all this. Why? He made just like us. Made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Amen. Don't mean he sinned, but he was made just like us. Made just like us. So that he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And that's our will. All of us got weaknesses. Every one of us got weaknesses. Man has infirmities, and the word infirmities means weaknesses. We all got weaknesses in us, brother, right? Every one of us. But matter you got weaknesses, yeah, and they ain't none of your business. You just know I'm a man. And there's things I have to fight just like you have to fight. You may be strong in an area and I'm weak, and I may be strong in an area you're weak. But I stand and fight. And I can teach you how to fight if you'll listen to me. And I, uh, people's known for years. You know, Isaiah told them, he said, these preachers y'all got are dumb dogs. They won't even bark. And I've told people for years, I said, I bark, I growl. I said, I think I'm fixing to start biting. I think I'm fixing to start getting people's heels and just start biting. Amen. Don't pull back on God. Just ain't no time to pull back. That young lady saw had that dream. She said, man, there was such an urgency for people to commit to their relationship with God to come forth in the call of God. There was just a, a pull and an urgency. She said, I never felt the life. God is revealing this thing. Amen. He's revealing this thing. And I'm excited about it. And I'm going to tell you, 
When you feel the working of the Spirit of God, act on it. Act on it. Act on it. Y'all hear me? Act on it. And God told us if we'll act on it, God will do it. Amen. My grandson, uh, my son's son, we went to his birthday party yesterday. He was two years old Thursday. And boy, you talking about a battle that boy had coming in this world. Devil done his best to kill him. And he wound up in NICU, what, about three days after he was born? They sent him to a, huh? Okay. He wound up in a, a baby neonatal unit down in Columbus. For They said he'd going to be down there 14 to 16 days. And she went down there, uh, stayed with my son, and they went on down to the hospital because his wife hadn't been released from where she birthed yet, so they went on down there with the baby. And I think it was a Thursday or Friday morning, I got on my knees and started praying. And I heard that voice of the Lord spoke to me. I mean, it spoke right in here. He said, my spirit does nothing of itself. He said, you tell my spirit what to do. I said, okay. And he started dealing with me. He said, when you feel the unction of my spirit move on you, he said, you speak to me. He said, you feel it. You speak to me. You tell me what to do. He said, my spirit will do it. Man, I come off them knees. Called my wife and asked her if my son was there. She said, no, he'll be here in a few minutes. So he called me when he got there. And I said, I'm going to tell you what to do. I said, you get in prayer. And I said, everything you need God to do for your baby. Everything you need Him to do. I said, when you feel the Spirit of the Lord come on you, you start telling God what to do. Because before they'd ship him down there, they said he hadn't had a bowel movement. And my wife called me, said the baby hadn't had a bowel movement. And they waiting for the baby to have a bowel movement before they put him in the ambulance and move him. So I said, we're just going to go to prayer right now. And I just started speaking the Word, and we was all in agreement on the phone. It wasn't about an hour and a half, two hours. I said, the baby started blowing diapers out and blew diapers out for about three hours. <laughs> they couldn't keep his bowels from moving. So God did it. See, you got to believe. you got to believe that what you ask, He's able to perform it. Amen? Bible said Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but believed that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. you got to believe when God speaks, He's able to perform what He said. He said in Numbers 23, 19, I am not a man that I should lie. Neither the Son of Man that I should repent. Have I not said it? Shall I not do it? Have I not, I have not spoken it? And shall I not make it good? God's going to do what He said if we'll believe. If we'll believe. What did Jesus tell the man that brought His lunatic son to Him for His disciples to cast Him out? And He said, I brought Him to the mind. Thy disciples cast Him out. Said, sometimes this thing will throw Him in the water, throw Him in the dirt, throw Him in the fire, try to kill Him. Jesus just turned around and looked at him. He said, I want your disciples to cast the devil out of them. They could not. Jesus just turned around and looked at him and said, Oh, you have little faith. How long am I going to suffer with y'all? Don't y'all make me look at y'all and tell y'all, Oh, you have little faith. How long am I going to suffer with you? Time for the body to come forth. Amen. Amen. Time for the body to come forth. And I'm fixing to start appointing y'all services to preach, so you better get ready. It's time to get on the move. 
Time to get on the moves. Time to start being obedient to the voice of the Lord. I'm taking away the pacifier. I'm taking away the suck bottle. I'm taking away the pampers. And I'm going to put you out here. And... You know, I was, in one of the, I was in one of the elementary schools growing up that we had a football team, and you didn't have very many elementary schools. You get on up junior high, but we had them in elementary school. And... and I tried out football, but I was little back then. I mean, I any bone little, and I had a good friend that played on the team, and so uh, they let us borrow their pads and their helmets and everything, you know. And we'd turn out to the what they called the junior, and coach would put us in there, see what we could do. And I remember the coach looking at me one day. And he said, you been in there yet? I said, no, sir. He said, get in there, boy. Let me see what you can do. He said, I'm going to get some of the pace knocked off of you. So I guess y'all fixing to get some of the pace knocked off of you. So God knows what you can do. Man, I appreciate the Lord. I feel good in the Holy Ghost. I feel like there's something right here at us that if we'll just act on our faith and dare to believe God and step out there. See, what it's just like that faith moves me. I dare to believe God. I dare to believe God. Any of y'all ever want to walk in my shoes, I'll let you have them. I dare to believe God. I don't care what people say. I don't care how they lie, how they doubt, how they criticize, how they run this word down. When I feel that unction of the Holy Ghost, I'll step out and speak it in defiance of everything that anybody can say, anybody can do. I'll dare to believe God. And God always brings it to pass. He always brings it to pass. And He always will as long as I walk in that relationship with Him. And I'm going to walk in that relationship with Him. Because we're coming into this faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's what that young lady saw. She said, Brother Matter, I've seen a power on you I ain't never seen. She said, I've seen a power and an anointing. And she said, there was an urgency in your voice. Well, the reason there's an urgency, people need to get ready. You know, it's like we compartmentalize God. That's the only way I know to put it. We'll come in here, the Spirit of God move. Man, we'll enjoy the Word. We'll enjoy everything God's done here. has been great today. been good. Been great counsel, but then we'll walk out that door and we'll stick God over here in this little compartment and we won't pay no attention to Him again the next Sunday. We, we separate Him from our lives and we stick Him over here and then we get all caught up in our lives. And unless we need God in an emergency, He stays right over here in this little box. We got Him in a compartment. You can't do God like that. God's got to be you first and foremost. He's got to be you first and foremost. He's a, uh, the last thing you think about of an evening, first thing you talk to of a morning. God's got to be first. I remember Sister Daniels, his precious sister in the Lord, praying this woman I was ever around in my life next to my wife's grandmother. And my wife's grandmother prayed twice a day and sometimes in two or three hours a time. That was one praying woman. But this other sister, she prayed, and I remember her saying, your number one priority in life should be your relationship with God. Shouldn't nothing else get between you and your relationship with God. I don't care what you got to do. Amen. I don't care what you got to do. I don't care what kind of pressure you're under. I don't care what you feel like you got to do. If you let pressure govern your life, you're going to lose out with God. You let fear govern your life, you're going to lose out with God. And I've walked it. I ain't saying I know it all, but I've walked it every way you can walk it. Been there. Fought demon spirits, fought forces of hell, fought demons of fear, discouragement. When I fell off the roof back in 2000, had to sleep my own. Bedroom in a hospital bed, my own bedroom for over two months. 
uh, a dark cloud appeared in the corner of my bedroom. And that thing was there every night. I went to sleep every morning. I woke up every morning. I'd wake up. It started accusing me that I'd failed God, that my faith was dead, that I'd never have another miracle. I'd never preach another sermon. I'd never walk right again. That thing accused me for three solid weeks going into a month. And a good friend of mine at that time come over, sat down and talked to me, and walked over, took me by the hand, and prayed for me. God totally destroyed that thing. But I had to hold on to God. I had to hold on to that word. I had to believe, you know, that I'd done nothing wrong. I had to believe that God was with me. I had to believe that all things were possible. Amen. I had to believe it. I had to believe it. If I hadn't believed it, I would never come out. You know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It don't matter what you're dealing with. When God is with you, you've got to hold on to that. Come here, listen. Lord just spoke to me, fixing to heal that back. All that trouble you've been having. Which side's it on? Right. Right there. Or, okay. You are true. We. In Jesus' name, I speak a kriachatosevee. Never again, Thank devil. You. Never again. In Jesus' name, it's done Hallelujah. right there. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. See, I felt that unction of the Holy Ghost. God spoke to me. Told me to lay my hands on her and curse that thing. I had to do what God said. I had to act on God's Word. See, God speaks to us and tells us to do things, and we're afraid to act. We're afraid to be led by the Spirit of God. Do you do not know that they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God? I didn't say the children of God. I said the sons of God. They that are led by the Spirit of God are going to take on the same power, authority, and dominion as Jesus. But you've got to be led. You've got to learn to be led. You've got to learn to open up and work and move by the working of the Holy Ghost. That's the reason God keeps speaking these prophecies. In one part in that prophecy, God spoke. He'd been dealing with me for about three days about it. Somewhere now, I believe I brought it out last week. I think it's on page three, somewhere in there. The Lord said, this night, you enter into the restitution of all things. God spoke it in in Acts 3.21. He said, this night, you enter into the beginning of the restitution of all things. And I keep telling people, Jesus didn't come just to save your soul. He didn't come just to save you from your sins. People talk about Jesus. Well, the Lord came to save me. Save me from my sins. And Jesus saved me. Jesus came to redeem you and to restore you back to where He created man in the beginning. He didn't come just to heal your body. He didn't come just to save your soul. If they had stoned Jesus to death, His blood would have still forgiven your sins. But you would not be redeemed from the curse of the law. The reason He went to the cross, the Bible said, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And when He hung on that tree, He became a curse for you, according to Galatians 3.19. I think it's around 19. that he, He became a curse for us and redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is sickness, disease, poverty. Is anybody with me today? So he didn't just save you. He became a curse for you. Took you out from under the curse. Took you out from under the curse. By them stripes you were healed. 
And the way I see it, you can't separate salvation and divine healing. You can't separate it. Show me somebody Jesus healed that He didn't save and somebody He saved that He didn't heal. In that first part of Mark, I believe the second chapter, said Jesus entered in again into Capernaum, went into a house, said there wasn't so much room about the door to eat bread. Couldn't even raise his hand to eat bread. Them people packed in there. And these fellows walking down the street, they seen these people going in blind, coming out seeing, going in deaf, coming out hearing, going in lame, coming out walking. They said, what's going on in there? Said, so, well, that, that, that prophet Jesus said he's in there, said he's preaching the Word and said he's healing the sick. So they went and got their buddy that was on a stretcher with palsy, come back there and try to get him in the door. They couldn't get him in the door, seen the ladder side of the roof, and they just towed him up on the roof, tore the roof up, just laid him down right in front of them. <laughs> what did the Bible say when Jesus saw their faith? When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their... Is Jesus going to see your faith? Are you going to act in faith? Are you going to dare to believe God? Are you going to act on this Word and let your faith move God and motivate God to do what you need Him to do? Or are you going to live in fear and doubt and unbelief? It's time to dare to believe. It's time to dare to believe. I, my God, I'm looking for the day just any time when I'm going to step out there in my shadow. It's going to begin to heal the sick. I, because I'm full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost like Peter. I, are y'all with me? It's time to... My God, let's get out of this religion, this darkness, and this bondage. And let's move forward in God. And when Jesus saw their faith, He looked down at that man on that stretcher. He said, that faith... Has made thee whole. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. He didn't tell him to get up and walk. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And all the scribe, all them religious folks <laughs> sitting there looking at Jesus, condemned him in their heart. Said, Don't this man know that only God only can forgive sin? Well, God was there by the Spirit. And Jesus said, Let me, let me, let me tell you something. He said, which is easier to say? Which is easier to say? Rise, take up that bed and walk, or thy sins be forgiven thee. So which is easier? Be saved or be healed? One and the same. One and the same. And Jesus said, but to show you that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sin, He said, Son, get up and walk. <laughs> So he said, I'm going to show you i got power to forgive sin. He said, get up and walk. When he should have said be healed, he said be saved. When he should have said be saved, he said be healed. Why? One in the same. One in the same. He paid for it all. His body, his blood, and his stripes not only paid for your salvation, it paid for your healing, it paid for your reconciliation. It paid to take you back to that place. Uh, when Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 10, when I shall make my soul an offering for sin, when that soul become an offering for sin, you got redeemed. You got redeemed. You got redeemed. And when you got redeemed, He has made restitution for the reconciliation. Reconciliation means restored back to divine favor. Read it, 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 21. Read it. I gave you the notes on it Easter Sunday. Had he became sin for us, he that knew no sin became sin, that the righteousness of God might be revealed in you. That saves you, heals you, delivers you, sets you free, makes you whole. Hallelujah. Puts you in a oneness in the Spirit. If y'all don't want to be one with him, you're sitting under the wrong preacher. I believe in being made one with him. Amen. I believe in being made one with him. And I believe now we have entered in 
to the times of the restitution of all things. Let's just go over to Acts 3. It's all night to morning. We got time. Hallelujah. Man, I feel good all over morning anywhere else. I remember I was working on a job back in probably 74, 75, and we hired another man. And uh, we had to go out and do some jobs, and so he was asking me. He said, what do you do for entertainment? I said, go to church. He said, what do you do for fun? I said, go to church. He said, what do you do to have a good time? I said, go to church. He said, how do you do all that in church? I said, come to church with me and find out. Because <laughs> I don't believe in dead worship. Acts 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times, and that word times right there means years. When the years of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive. The heavens got to hold Jesus until God's time. He said, whom the heavens must receive until the times or the years of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Ever since man fell and God's had a prophet in the earth, He's prophesied of the restitution of all things. Bible says since the world began. So this word's been coming down through the generations. God's going to restore all things. God's going to restore all things. What did Joel say? I'll restore to you the years. I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, the locusts, and what did the Lord tell us that was? All these doctrines of men that had been preached and come into the church to get you off track, get you to believe God ain't going to do nothing for you till you get to heaven. Well, I got news for you. There ain't no power coming in you when you get up there. If y'all think y'all going to have power and walk with God in heaven, you better get something to get you off the ground down here. But he said, I've spoken about the years of restitution of all things by the mouth of all my holy prophets since the world began. Is that what it says? So, restitution, reconciliation. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, turning the world back, turning the world back, turning it back to where God created man. You just want to get saved and you just want to uh, wait and go to heaven? Go ahead. I want to go back where God created man. And he said, Behold, I give you authority over all my creation. I give you dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over everything creepeth on the earth. We ain't got this. We ain't got this. Y'all don't want to go fishing with me. I'm going to tell you, I was out in Texas. It's been years ago, and every time I go out there, I had a friend out there, brother in the Lord. He'd take me fishing. And he knew how to jig fish. I never did quite learn it because I never done it quite enough. But I could have my hook in the water and have that jig in there. He'd throw within six inches of me, and he'd pull out a, a two or three pound bass. He'd pull out a crappie that was big as a barn door. And, man, he'd just wear me out. And I told the Lord one day, I said, 
I'm tired of this. Lord said, throw your hook right over there. I went, Shoop. Pulled out a two-pound crappie. I mean, that thing was huge. I reeled that thing in. He said, man. He said, that's the prettiest crappie and probably one of the biggest that I ever seen. I said, well, I said, I cheated a little bit. He said, what'd you do? I said, I told the Lord I was tired of getting my hide tanned. I wanted to fish. He said, well, boy, he gave you a good one. So see, I've always got an ace up my sleeve. <laughs> always got a God that'll move for me. But see, I know what this word will do. I know how it'll move. I walked over behind Justin sitting in a restaurant where he's having severe migraines. Didn't say a word to him. Just put my hands on his shoulders. Didn't even pray. Just put my hands on his shoulders. Stood there for about a minute. And he turned bright red and the fire of God went down through him. He ain't never had a migraine since. See, I know what this word will do. You hear me? I know what it'll do. I know what's I know what's living in me. I know what's being made manifest in me. Am I in it in the fullness yet? No, sir. I've just scratched the surface. But it's getting stronger and it's getting greater. And it's getting more alive and it's getting more real. And, and I'm here saying, Come on. Come on. Come on. This is a body. Come on. Come on. God can use you this way. Come on. This is what God's calling y'all for. This is what God's teaching y'all. This is what God's teaching y'all. God's teaching you to be a member of the body, that there's gifts and anointings and words and workings of the Spirit. Just as easy as God can speak a word in your spirit and you can speak by that gift, God can speak a word in your spirit and miracles can happen. Because it ain't in your hands. It ain't in your hands. It ain't in your hands. How many times I've stood before, ain't nothing in that hand. Ain't nothing in that hand give you a miracle. Well, buddy, there's a faith in here. <laughs> there's a faith in here that if God inspires that faith, and I feel that inspiration, that faith, and that word hits me, and buddy, it comes out here, God hears my voice, God hears my prayer, Katie barred the door. They ain't nothing stopping. If I can't believe. That's what Jesus told that man when he cried out. He said, man, I brought my son to thy disciples and they couldn't cast the devil out of him. Jesus shook his head. And he said, bring him to me. And as the child come toward Jesus, that devil took him, threw him down in the dirt and he started wallowing and foaming. And the man screamed, said, Lord, if you can do anything to help us, help us. He said, if thou canst believe. All things are possible. Do you hear what I said? If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the man cried out with tears in his eyes, said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And Jesus looked at that young man, commanded that spirit to come out of him. It come out of him so hard that they thought that he fell down and they thought he was dead. They thought the young man had died. Jesus went, just went over and took him by the hand, picked him up. Child made perfectly whole. Why? He knew what was in him. He knew what was in him. He turned around when his disciples got him aside later on. They said, why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said, give him power. In Matthew 10 and Luke 9 10, did he not give him power? He says, because of the unbelief. Because of the unbelief. See, it's not that you don't have power. It's not you don't, you don't fast and pray for power. You fast and pray to cure the carnal man that faith can come alive. Ain't got nothing to do with power. This power's here. You hear me? 
There is a measure of this power right here. The Lord told me one time, He said, Faith's like switch. Like a light switch. He said, There can be all the power you need running to the lights in a room. He said, But do you throw that switch? He said, Ain't nothing coming on. Do you flip that switch? There's, there's a break. And when you flip that switch, that power flows through that switch. Comes out these lights. Do you flip that switch? He said, Faith is the switch. See, he didn't tell them they need to fast and pray for power. Everybody said, well, you fast and pray, God will give you power. No. You fast and pray and buffet this carnal man. God will put faith. The power's already there. Somebody just needs a light fuse. <laughs> it's already there. But Jesus turned around and said, but this kind cometh out but by prayer and fasting. Why? you got to crucify that carnal man. Power has no, I'm telling you, study them scriptures. Power has nothing to do with it. Back night's coming up. Uh, these preachers started fasting. Man, they'd go on 40-day fast and, and they'd write all kind of books. And I remember one guy wrote a book, Atomic Power Through Fasting and Prayer. No, it ain't. Ain't got nothing to do with power. The Spirit of Christ is in here. The gift, the anointing, the power's there. You just got to believe it. What did Jesus say? He said, if you say unto this mountain... Be thou removed and be thou cast in yonder place, and you what? Doubt not in your heart. That mountain ain't got no choice but to obey you. So see, it, it, it don't come down to power. It comes down to faith. It comes down to faith. Amen. It comes down to faith. So we're at that place that God said we have entered into the beginning of restoration of all things. Man, sometimes I'll feel this thing hit me. I'll feel this faith and this power hit me. And I'll, not disrespectful, but I'll scream out at God, What are you doing to me? This kind of a word and anointing and deliverance, and you got me standing still in L.A.J., Georgia. I said, You're killing me. Because, see, I know that if I preach this word to people, I know what this thing will do. But then I have to realize that if God don't do it, ain't nothing happening. But I have to have confidence in what God's put in me. You've got to have confidence in what God's put in you. I had a visitation way back, I think it's in the late 70s, early 80s, I can't remember now. But I was praying. And I saw Moses out there on the backside of the desert. And the Lord spoke to him. I mean, I saw it just playing. I'm looking at you, bro. No. He said, what's that in your hand? He said, that rod. He said, throw it down. He throwed that thing down. That thing becomes a serpent. And Moses run from it. The Bible said Moses fled from it. And then I seen Moses sneak up behind it, catch it by the tail, and it turned back into a rod again. And then the Lord said, put your hand in your bosom. He put his hand in his bosom, pulled it out. It was white. Eat up with leprosy. He said, put it back in your bosom. Put it back in his bosom, pulled it out. It's made whole. He said, if I don't believe these two signs, he said, you take water and pour it out on the sand. He said, I'll make it become blood. He said, they'll believe. 
Because Moses said, well, I'm not going to tell the children of Israel that if I go down there. He said, what am I going to tell them? He said, you tell them that I am that I am. I sent you. And so I was praying about what the Lord had showed me. He said, well, Moses walked before Pharaoh. He said, nobody else had seen the miracles that Moses saw in the wilderness until he went and showed Israel. He did show the elders of Israel, and they did have But he said, well, Moses went in there. He said he had to believe in the God of his visitation. He had to believe. Aaron couldn't believe for him. He had to believe. you got to believe in the God of your visitation. Sure. You got the other day, whoop, is it on? Yeah. The other day, Brian was bringing the horses out of the corral to, for feeding. And ironically, our horses' names are Moses and Aaron. Um, and Brian is only 155 pounds, and Moses is 1,100 pounds, okay? And when they know they're coming out of that corral and they're going to go in those stalls and they're going to get all that food to eat, those, those boys want to go. I mean, they could, run, they could run Brian over. Like, they could flatten him like a pancake if they wanted to, okay? But, you know, you said something. And, and it's funny you said that because Brian was walking with Aaron, and in the middle, like, he walked with Moses first, and Moses, of course, just wanting to get in there. So he just, he just kind of let him, just kind of led him into his stall. But when he's walking with Aaron, he stopped halfway. Well, first of all, he said, whoa. And... Aaron wanted in that stall, but Aaron <laughs> listened. He listened. He, I mean, Brian has the power over that 1,100-pound animal. Amen. That animal is like seven times bigger than Brian. I mean, that thing is big, and that animal stopped on the dime. Hallelujah. I mean, stopped on the dime. So, and I, and I remember it just took me back, and I never said anything to Brian, but I turned around, and I looked at Brian, and I looked at Aaron, and Brian's way down here, and Aaron's way up here. And I thought, wow, you know, he listens. And I, as you were speaking, how we have dominion over all the birds and the, the beasts, you know, and we have that power in us. Brian, you have that power in you. God was showing me, you got that power in you. Like, you got that power in you to just look at somebody and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. It's there. I mean, just like you say, whoa. You just say, be healed, and it's going to happen. I, I don't know. I just got that. And a matter of fact, we all have that. So God, God is restoring it. That's what he said. He said, I'll restore to you the years. Everything the devil's taken away from us. Amen. When God poured his spirit out on the, in the book of Acts, set up the government, set up the fivefold ministry, set up all the nine gifts, put power in, in people's lives, and even Stephen, being a deacon, was having great miracles because he's full of faith and full of power. We don't have it today. We don't have it today. Why? It's been robbed from us. Everything, all the years, the locusts, the canker pillar, the cattleworm, all these doctrines of men have eroded the belief. I'm not telling you everybody going to have this, but I'm telling you there are people that are chosen of God. That God's chosen you. When God told Ananias to go down there and pray for Saul after he got struck blind, Ananias said, Now, wait a minute, God. Said, I've heard about that old boy. <laughs> said, he done a lot of bad things to your people. Lord said, Ananias. He said, you go down and pray for him. He said, because I done showed him in a vision. 
that a man named Ananias come and pray for him. He's going to get his sight back. And he said, I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer. He's already chosen. Amen. God let Saul do a lot of bad things to his people. But then he turned around. And all that word that Paul had studied all his life, them prophets, them psalms, the law, he made it alive by the Spirit of God. And Paul immediately, once he got his eyesight back, once he was filled with the Holy Ghost, got some meat under his belt, he immediately began to declare that Jesus was the Christ by the Psalms, by the law, and by the prophets. Man, if y'all had to preach Jesus by the Psalms and by the law and by the prophets, y'all probably couldn't preach him. Y'all probably couldn't preach him. We went to India in a place people had never heard about Jesus. They had blasphemy laws. And you had to know how to preach to them. And some of them brothers got out there on the street and started preaching to people. You said, yeah, like the Bible says. I pulled them off to the side and I said, these people don't know the Bible. They don't know what the Bible says. I said, you got to go back to the God of creation. Amen. And first night I stepped out there on a platform in a building, had about eight, 900 people. I began to preach about the God of creation and brought it all the way down to the crucifixion of His Son, Jesus. Turned around and prayed for people that night. Got open blind eyes, deaf ears, loose dumb tongues, healed a lame. And our pastor from Fort Payne, Brother Michael, was with us. And his father-in-law was with us, and we had one or two others with us. And Brother Michael had a had one full of the devil spit in his face. He went pray for him. He spit in his face. And Brother Michael prayed for him anyway. And his daddy lost it. Send him down there, to Brother Matter. <laughs> Want him send him down there to me? I said thanks a lot, guys. But see, they knew the difference. Then Brother Michael wasn't. Walking with God like we were. He, he hadn't come under this word yet. He was listening to a lot of CDs. But he'd go to another church about two and a half hours away, but he'd listen to CDs and God was bringing him in. Yeah. Bringing him in. So it's time to take what God's given us. Time to take where we're at. Because yeah. I don't care what you confess. Faith without works. And what? Yeah. I don't care what you say you got. I don't care what you say you believe God to do. Amen. It's time for demonstration. It's just like that lady come last week, man, just about 30 seconds. That hip and that leg quit hurting. God healed her. Y'all was down there in a, a prayer meeting in Calhoun at Brother Glenn's sister Tammy's house when Glenn's sister stood up and testified about that rotator cuff. I mean, sitting there going like this. Y'all remember that? I prayed for up there in Calhoun, that little old apartment. First time I went to Calhoun, she had a torn rotator cuff and God healed her. God healed her. See, I've seen these miracles ever since the 80s. God's done them. I've seen God bring them off deathbeds, out of wheelchairs, off stretchers, off crutches. I mean, I've seen God do it by laying on these hands. I'm not boasting because I know it's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by my spirit, saith God. I'm going to tell you, once this thing gets rolling over this live stream, you ain't going to stop it. You ain't going to stop it. And I'm hoping to get my teaching started on YouTube this week. And I'm going to be tearing down a lot of doctrines of men. Y'all might want to think twice about whether y'all tell people y'all associated with me or not. Because <laughs> I'm going to tear up some devil doctrine. 
I cannot stand some of this stuff people are bowing under. And I'm going to be... And I tell you, the radio's getting a lot of attention. And I'm, I'm trying to urge people to get behind the radio, get behind the live stream. We got almost 160 subscribers. And you people that are watching this and listening, please support this. Please support this live stream. I mean, it wasn't hurting none of you. Oh, uh, you could do without a Starbucks once a week and send me ten dollars a month. You could, you could, you could cut lunch one day a week if you're out, and you work, and you buy lunch. You cut lunch one day a week. Send me twenty, twenty-five dollars a month. But let's get this gospel out because people need to hear. Just like that man in India, he said, Pastor, he said, Would you consider coming back to India and preaching? People's heard about this deliverance. I think it was in that city uh, that Sunday morning. I think I preached twice. And I went out there to that little village where I told you all that deaf boy. That deaf and dumb boy got healed. He was sitting right down my feet. And then later on that evening before we had the night crusade, I went and preached at another church. And there was a woman uh had crippling arthritis. And they brought her up for me to pray for and she couldn't she couldn't move. I mean, she walked like this. And I ain't talking about no old woman either. And she tried to get down and kiss my feet in reverence like they do them Hindu priests. And she started trying to get down, and she was having struggle. And I just grabbed her and pulled her up, and I said, No, ma'am. And I started telling her about Jesus, and tears started streaming down her eyes. And when I laid my hands on her, the power of God went through her, and I started walking with her. And I walked and come back. And I think I walked again and come back. And she started out like this, walking with me. And the steps got a little easier, a little easier, a little easier. And about the second time, she took off running and jumping and shouting and praising God. Got totally delivered from that crippling arthritis. For what? A witness. A witness. People need a gospel, and the only gospel to be preached with witness is the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. It's time to preach this gospel of the kingdom as a witness into all the world. Then shall the end come. People got to know about a God that's real. And so y'all be in prayer with us. The pastor over in Africa asked me. Uh, we just bought him a laptop. We bought him a projector. We bought him some Bibles. And... Now he wants to know if we can help him get some chairs. I said, I'll check and see what we can do. But, man, we little. It ain't like I was, you know, back in the 90s when I was out there. You know, I'd raise $100,000, $125,000 a year when I was out there in the ministry. Of course, I had an overhead of $250 a day. I mean, it took $10,000 a month just to operate. When I was out there with my tents, had full-time help, had to have insurance, all that. I mean, you you get some money quick. And then you have to spend three or four thousand dollars to go set a meeting up. People don't know what it takes to set a tent meeting up. There's so many cities you go in and buy permits and restrooms and electricity. And you'll wind up transportation, everything. You'll spend twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars just to get the equipment there. And then you got to have God move and get you out. I stood up and told them one time. I said, "Y'all want me to leave town? Start giving." I said, "Cause I'm stuck here." <laughs> Ah, me. I tell you, me and the Lord's had some good times. Going to have some more. But I appreciate the Lord. I'm.
You know, I didn't get to the offering, but I feel like, I mean the prophecy, but I feel like God done some good things. Amen. I feel like God done some good things and taught us some good things. But, you know, I, I get tired of people fussing about giving and giving to God and tithes. Look, I don't care what you call it. Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thy increase. The Bible will tell you first fruits is a tenth, which is a tithe. So I don't care whether you believe in tithing or not. Do what God said. Honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all ye increase. Quit worried about calling it tithe. I don't care what you call it. Just give. Just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham did. Jacob told God on his way, running from his brother, wanting to kill him. He said, everything you give me, I'll give you a tenth of. 400 years for the law. So, I don't care what you call it. Just give. Just do what's right in God's eyes. If you honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits all your increase, God's going to bless you and He's going to keep you. He's going to make your barns be filled with plenty. And your press is going to burst out with new wine. That's what the Word says in Proverbs. I believe it's the third chapter. That's what God said. And God said He blesses us daily with benefits. He loadeth us every day with benefits. And I believe Him. God's brand new every day. If you get up and go to prayer, God's brand new every day. His mercies, His goodness, His forgiveness, His kindness. He's brand new every day. Amen. He's brand new every day. And I love Him. And I'm excited about what He's doing Y'all can't tell me there's something kicking in my soul. I'm ready. At least I think I'm ready. <laughs> you know, we used to, back when I first got saved, they, they had a saying. They said, you take the devil's tongue, run under a root and wrap it around that root and tie a knot in it. The devil, uh, you know where the devil is next time. You won't have to worry about him. Some of them get up and shout and holler that out. And next thing I know, the devil done took their tongue running around under a root and tied a knot in it. Because <laughs> they didn't have near what they thought they had. Let me tell you, it ain't just saying it. Better have something to back it up with. Amen. You can't get, uh, people come out with all these fancy, you know, I'm too anointed to be disappointed and I'm too stressed, I'm, not, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Oh, no, let me tell you something. You better have something to back it up. And the only way you get something to back it up is in relationship with God in prayer and seeking God and living by the Word. So let's put the Word in action in our lives. Amen. Let's put this Word in action. Do you love the Lord? You appreciate Him. Have you enjoyed the service today? All I can tell you is bring your notes again. Okay. All I can tell you is bring your notes again next Sunday and we'll see what God will do. Yes, ma'am. I have got on my feet. On your feet? Yes, sir. There is one. Okay. And there, I went to the doctor. Okay. Slip your shoe off, stick your foot up there. Show me what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I see it. Can you balance yourself right there? Yeah. I don't know if we got any. I got any anointing oil on my cruise. I don't even know where my cruise is. I ain't used it in so long. Yeah, is there anything in it? I don't know if there's any oil in it or not. I ain't used it in so long. I don't think there's anything in it. Yeah. Yeah. You believe? Is that the only one? Oh, they're all over my feet. They're all over your feet? Yeah, Both of them or just one? Both. Stick your other one up here. Do you do you know what, what the cause of it is? They don't know. They don't know? 
All right, stand up and raise your hands. You believe? Yeah. You ought to, all things see God do. She had trouble when she was a baby about braces on her legs and her feet and everything. Yeah. yeah. So. Y'all excuse me just a second. Raise your hands up there. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to move these. What a threat. I curse it. I curse it at the root and I command it to wither and dry. Oh, no! Oh, honey. My God. Hallelujah. Whoo! Man. Check it. For I believe God. For I believe God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. For I believe God. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go ahead and receive the offering. Y'all please do what you can. We got a have some work done on the car this week, and we still like just a little bit of getting it in. Uh, but the Lord's been good to us. So, do do what's right in God's eyes. I appreciate the Lord. Amen. Man, I've enjoyed this service today. Hallelujah. Ain't it good when you can come to church and just feel good all over more than anywhere else? <laughs> just have a good time in the Lord. I love the Lord, and I appreciate Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's ask God. Everybody obey the Lord. Let's ask God bless this. Father, I thank you for this, Lord. Bless it. God, give us the wisdom to use every penny. Lord, I've uh, for 47 years I've tried to be a wise steward to use every penny you put in our hands, Lord for Your kingdom, for Your gospel, for Your glory to be revealed. God, and still all these years later, I still always ask You, help me be a wise steward not to misuse one penny, Lord. I don't want to misuse one penny, Jesus. But I want everything to go. For Your kingdom to be preached, for Your name to be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's pray this week for the name of Jesus to be established in the earth. Amen. Amen. People need to know that there's a God that's real. Not a God of religion. Not a God of form. But a God of deliverance. They need to know that God's real. Hallelujah. All hearts and minds clear? Okay. Let's just stand and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the working of Your Spirit. God, I feel great strength and encouragement what you've done today. Lord, let it be so that you give Brother Donald and Sister Deborah the strength and the wisdom and understanding. God, you've talked to them. You've counseled them. Help them follow your wisdom, Lord. Help them follow the leadership of your Spirit. God, let this Word be a strength to us and bring us forward. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.